Hi, you're listening to Sometime in Long Island City, a podcast from the blog of the same name. I'm Eric Hathaway, and today I'm presenting the third in the series, Artist Portrait, featuring Queens-based singer-songwriter Little Embers, or Teresa Hoffman. Teresa is married to guitarist Anthony Rizzo, and together they perform as a duo and as a full band. She also forms part of the Queens of Queens collaboration with Michelle Riganese, Shelley Bouchan and Janine Tirana. I talked to Teresa about her life and her music. All right, tell me about where you're from. Um, I don't really like to admit this, but I grew up on Long Island, which, you know, if you know New York really well, like Long Island sometimes gets a bad rap. Um, but that's where I was born and raised um, and then I moved to Queens like when I was 21 so when a long say, time ago I'm not gonna say exactly how many years okay. but a long time ago so when you say Long Island where do you mean because it is a very long island <laughs> uh, Wantaw actually it's right by the gateway to Jones Beach okay. um, it's on the South Shore uh-huh. and uh, famous bar Mulcahy's is right in that neighborhood lots of big bands would come to that bar and stuff so yeah so were you is it a big family you were from small family how many uh there were four of us so i have two brothers and one sister i have an older brother younger brother younger sister okay and my mom kind of like it's important to sort of you know my music and everything my mom was from texas okay Uh, my brother was born in texas my older brother um and so she had a big influence on my music and stuff, you know. Because she was musical herself? She was. She loved to sing. Both my parents were musical. My mom loved to sing. She was always, like, singing weird church songs and stuff, and we would harmonize together. Um, and my dad can play piano by ear. He never really, like, did anything with it, but... You know, he's definitely a musician. Like, he can just sit down and pick out things on the piano. And I found out later in life that he always wanted to, you know, put a band together. Like, one of his friends told me, like, your father was always talking about putting a band together, but he just never did. You know? He had four kids. So did you have sing-songs around the fire, that kind of thing? No, it wasn't really like that. It was more like, like I said, my mom and I would sing together sometimes. Um... And then, you know, church was a big part of our life. My mom was Southern Baptist. Yeah. So um, I would go to church with her and sing sometimes there. And sometimes I would play the piano there on Sundays. Did Um, you have a piano at home? Yeah. That was my first instrument. Piano is like, I play piano much better than I play guitar. Much better. So did you have proper lessons when you were young? Mm Mm-hmm. What age did you start? Like nine or ten, okay. if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. Miss Rutherford was my first teacher. All right. So that was was that classical piano? Well, in the beginning, it's not quite classical. It's more like you know, row, row, row your boat. Like I did spend some time with like Bach and Mozart and stuff, and you know, I could still kind of like play that stuff a little bit, mm-hmm. but I don't really have an instrument here, as you see. I have a keyboard, and I don't. I prefer yeah. playing a real yeah. piano. So, so what I kind know. of stuff did your dad play? Was he playing by ear gospel stuff or was he playing other stuff? No, my dad was more like, you know, my dad was Catholic. So we were all, I was also raised, I was raised Catholic and Southern Baptist simultaneously. So I had like sort of the music from my mom's side, which was hymns. And then also kind of from the Catholic church, which has its own version of hymns. Mm-hmm. Um, but meanwhile, my dad was spinning records like, you know, the Beatles and, um, I, he just he always had a huge record collection, mm-hmm. so he was listening to a lot of music. Um, what kind of stuff appealed to you in those in those early days? What did you ever go up in the middle of the night or go go and search out a record that you particularly liked from the collection? Um, I I'm trying to remember. He had these little forty fives, and like I remember I used to listen to, and this is going back like when I was really little, like. I don't know, like that witch doctor song. Do you remember that? You go ooh ee, ooh ah ah, tang tang, walla walla bang bang. All right. Do 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 do.
love with you. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. And then the witch doctor, he told me what to do. He told me, ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang. Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bang, bang. Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang. Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang. I had my, uh... Raggedy Ann and Andy record player, and I would I would listen to like, um, I just had weird records. I had like my Annie record, and I had like Disco Disney. I'm talking about when I was a kid. You know? Were these proper records that you could put on like yeah. a kid's record player? Yeah. Okay. And, but this is all like you know, under the age of ten. Yeah. I started to get older, um, my older brother's just about three years older than me, and he was very musical, still is today. So a lot of what I was introduced to, you know, was what he was listening to. And he was very into, like, Hall and & Oates. And uh, so I just got on board with that, you know. And um, another thing that lots of people don't like to admit, but, you know, I love Fall Notes, and I think they're great songwriters, and, you know, I appreciate them for, for what they are now, you know? Little girl, what's your name? Now don't you go looking at me like that, you might see I'm ashamed, what's your name? Just talk with me Won't you talk to me Will you survive Learn to drive I know you can't describe The dreams you want to be To stay or get away I'm not playing around Can't you tell the way I'm squeezing your hand I'm just a kid Don't make me feel like a man Survive, learn to try. I know you can't describe the 
dreams you want to be the stay to get away I am playing around can't you tell the way I'm squeezing your hand I'm just a kid don't make me feel like a man I'm just playing Now did you think that I'd been nuts enough To try to pick you up, don't you know It's a game, it's all a game I've been playing But which say name was Just walk with me Now just around the corner, baby Maybe you could even try to talk with me me along to those oh of course right. yeah. yeah and then my brother and I like we used to this is kind of like before we had real instruments we had the piano in the house but we would we would play band in my house so we would set up like we'd have like pots and pans and boxes and he would be playing the drums and I'd have these like long couch pillows which would be my fake keyboard you know so we were always like into music and I have a younger brother yeah. And he lives down in Pensacola, Florida. He's married with the third baby on the way. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and musical? Um, he was more the athlete in the family. Okay. Yeah. He did play the upright bass for a little while. And for some reason he stopped. And he always says that he regrets that. But he was very athletic, you know, like quarterback at the football team and all that stuff. Like, So my older brother and I, we were the musicians. You were the musician. You played all these yeah. band games and, and uh, yeah. my little brother Greg was, was definitely the athlete you know when did you first sing for other people um wow that was definitely jeez that's a really good question probably when I was like 11 or 12 you know I would sing in church okay. solo um, yeah okay. like I would sing solos and and uh, I probably wrote my first song with my best friend around that time, too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So were you encouraged by your parents to pursue music like that? Um, very much by my mom. She was uh, always, like, my biggest advocate, you know. Um, she used to like, I'll give you a copy of our record on, on the back of it. Like I have this thing, like it's dedicated to my mom. She passed away like 16 years ago. Um, but she always used to tell me like if I got nervous or I got shy or I felt insecure, you know, or something. And she'd be like, just belt it out. You know, she was always behind me and she would kind of, um, She's always supported that. Like any any pursuit I had, like for a while I was dabbling in acting and stuff and she would do whatever she could to to help me in that way, you know. Did she so, ever perform or did she just sing? She sang in a choir, mm -hmm. you know, um, mm -hmm. like real early on. But, mm -hmm. you know, when she came to New York and she had all of us kids then So you still got family back in Texas? I do, yeah. My I have a lot of family down there. My aunt, um, and my uncle and then all my cousins and big family. And your father comes from around here. Is he still alive? Yep, he's still alive, and he, thank God, he lives in um, Long Island, where I, where I grew up, same house. And uh, but he's from Yonkers originally. Okay. He grew up right around, yeah. not too far from here. So. Okay. So there's there's four of you all together. You so who? Four siblings. Four. Who's the other one? You told me about your elder oh, brother, my the little sister, and your little my sister. My little sister. She's amazing. She's really. She's unique. She's uh, learning disabled, mm -hmm. and 
but she's like extremely high functioning. You know, she has a job, she drives. She's about to do like a bowling tournament with the Special Olympics because she's such a good bowler. Wow. And yeah, she's really great. And she can play the guitar really well. Like she got into it for a little while and just picked it up. And like my father was playing it by ear. So we tried to encourage that. We gave her lessons and such. And then, I don't know, she kind of lost interest in it. Yeah. But she was really good. Like, she was playing better than, than I've ever played. You know, she had a real natural, she had a real natural ability for it. So, yeah, so that's my family. Yeah. So where is she now? She lives with my dad. Okay. My dad got remarried a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. So they all live out in Long Island. So when you were a teenager, you told me about the music that you were exposed to. When you were smaller, when you were a teenager, what kind of stuff did you start getting into? <laughs> some some things I really don't want to admit. <laughs> I really don't want to admit. So I'm not going to. Okay, fair um, enough. So uh, what do you want to admit? Well, I mean, I would, again, a lot of it had to do with what my brother was listening to. The things I don't want to admit were more of like my, you know, being a girl and being a teenager and you kind of go through that phase, you know. Yeah. Um, but we used to listen to a lot of like Genesis and we would listen to Rush and Yes and all that kind of stuff. But then I also had this side where I started getting into like, I would listen to Bonnie Raitt and I would listen to Julia Fordham. I don't know who gave us, you know who that is? No, I don't.
you know, then my musical taste really started to change. Like when Anthony and I met, we met along, like I was 19 when we met. Um, so I started like, I was exposed to a lot more like punk and, mm. you know, music that I had just never come across before. Mm. And I, and I loved so like, uh, the replacements and Paul Westerberg and so more rebellious yeah. kind of and I loved music. it you know and mm -hmm. it really like it changed my songwriting you know because at that point I was like writing songs all the time Yeah, that really had like an impact on my writing. Mm. And so did you move from singing in the church to singing for others when you were a teenager? I first started playing out solo, like with my guitar. I picked up the guitar when I was like 17. Um, before that, was a, it was piano. So it's kind of hard to, you know, take your piano anywhere. There were like a couple of coffee shops I used to go to close to my neighborhood. Or open mic kind of things? Open mics, and then I got my first gig at this little cafe in Lynbrook, which is on Long Island. And um, I used to play with like a couple of other friends of mine. We would help each other out, and uh, they were much better guitar players than I was. Um, so, you know, they would do more like intricate stuff while I played chords, and we would mm -hmm. sing on each other's stuff. Um, and, um, yeah, so from like 17 to 21, I was kind of like dabbling in like the open mic scene and, 
um, on Long Island. Did you always do that with others, or did you do stuff by yourself? I would do well? stuff by myself. Okay. Like, did people ask you, or did you go and pursue well, like, it yourself? It started with open mics, and then you know you would get offered a gig, that kind of thing. You know, that's how it started. Once I moved to the city, um, it was the same thing. I just started going out and playing open mics, and then I got my first gig in the city, which was at the C Note which unfortunately closed, but that's where, like, in my early 20s, I played my first shows solo. It was always just me and my guitar, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was that before you were with Anthony? No, we were together. You were together. Did you play together? Did you Not perform at that time. together? At that Not point? at that time. He was still, like, he was in this punk band, Garden Variety. They were touring, so he was doing that. another band that he was in Vic Thrill and Saturn Missile they were together for like seven years so he really had his thing going on and I had my thing so it was like about four or five years ago that we were like let's you know let's play let's just help each other let's play together and it kind of really evolved into this did that happen because you were already sort of doing stuff at home were you playing stuff together outside of the performing area um why did that happen? I think, I don't know. I guess I just, I needed a guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> and Anthony plays really well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, before that, I think it, it wasn't that we wouldn't have played together. It was just, we were so preoccupied with other things, mm-hmm. you know, like he was really busy doing his thing with Vic Thrill. Um, and I was doing my thing. I was in school. I went back to get my BA in, oh, okay. in English literature when I was like, 25. Um, before that time, um, as I said, I was kind of playing. I had gotten some shows in the city and, and, uh, I just felt like I had reached this place in my writing where I felt like it was kind of becoming stagnant, you know, okay. and I felt so like So you were looking for inspiration yeah. from literature. And I always wanted to, you know, originally I just, I had my, my degree in music and, um, vocal performance but just like two years and Mm -hmm. I always knew that I wanted to finish my education I wanted to get my BA and you know it was very important to me so um so I decided to go back and so I majored in English literature which is great for the mind and the spirit not for the pocketbook in music I was like one class away from getting my associates in vocal performance and that's when my mom passed away. So we were going back to like when I was, you know, 20. Um, and I just, you know, I never got back around to taking that one class. So when I went to Hunter um, to get my BA, what I did was I minored in music and creative writing and I majored in, in English literature. So I was able to utilize like a lot of the credits that I had. So it sounds like it was still all moving towards or continuing your movement in a, a musical career rather than putting something aside just in case you wanted to do something else. 
Yeah, I mean, I really, I definitely went back to school because, you know, I, I always, I wanted to be educated. You know, it was very important to me. Um, and I just felt like things were kind of stagnant. And being an English lit major was amazing because, you know, you're reading constantly, you're exposed to all this new stuff, you know. Um, and then the creative writing classes, I took poetry workshops and that just really like, that was a wonderful time for me as a writer, you know, because I was writing all the time, every day, carrying around notebooks, writing down ideas. And um, when I finished, I came out like a, I, I feel like I came out a completely, completely different songwriter than I had been before. Any particular so, poets that, that struck you particularly? Yeah, I, lo- I mean, I love, I love Whitman. I hear America singing. I hear America singing, the varied carols I hear, those of mechanics, each one singing his as it should be, blithe and strong, the carpenter singing his as he measures his plank or beam, the mason singing his as he makes ready for work or leaves off work, the boatman singing what belongs to him in his boat, the deckhand singing on the steamboat deck, the shoemaker singing as he sits on his bench, the hatter singing as he stands, the woodcutter's song, the plowboy's, on his way in the morning or at noon intermission or at sundown, the delicious singing of the mother or of the young wife at work or of the girl sewing or washing, each singing what belongs to him or her and to none else, the day what belongs to the day. At night, the party of young fellows, robust, friendly, singing with open mouths their strong, melodious songs. Whitman was, I loved, and I loved like Emerson and read, and reading like Thoreau and that kind of stuff. Like it the all American just, tradition. Yeah, yeah, it inspired me a yeah. lot and it, it, uh, it had a big impact on the way I was writing. Did you write other stuff? Do you see yourself as a, as a writer outside of music as well? Poetry, um, I've written a lot. I have written a lot of poetry. Yeah. Um, I haven't done anything with it, you know. Somewhere, like I went through a phase for a while where I I thought I was going to write uh, write a memoir, but of course, you know, it's a little young for that. But uh, I feel like there's something like that in me, like a short story or a book or something. I really, at some point in my life, I have a feeling like something like that's going to come out. It's, it's sometimes it's just a lack of time, you know, because I don't, I don't have all day to just sit around and explore all of my creative ideas. And, and the songwriting and the music is the thing that comes most naturally to me, you know, whether I want it to or not, it just comes out. Was there a point where you actually made a decision that you were going to be a musician? No, definitely not. <laughs> I think there were moments where I was like, I'm not going to be a musician. Like, I'm not doing this. You know, I just discovered that I could only go so long without it, like, not being a part of my life, and I would just be miserable. Yeah. You know, when something's that much a part of you, it's just, yeah. you can't and is deny that it. as much to do with performance as to do with creating songs? Um, it's, yeah, for me, it's the songwriting, <clears throat> creating songs, um, and sharing it on some level. You know, I don't have to like perform like I'm not, I like it. Sometimes I I get really nervous. Sometimes it stresses me out and I don't like that. Um, Yeah, sharing it on some level is also key because then I, you know, once like, let's say you have a batch of songs and and you get them out in some platform or whatever. And for me as a writer, like it always feels like I can kind of close the book on that and then start working on new stuff. Okay, so you've created something which has been made a whole mm-hmm. as a thing for performance. Yeah. And then you move on to the next yeah, thing. Yeah, that's how yeah. it kind doesn't, of... doesn't become complete unless it involves other people. It seems like... Yeah. It? yeah. Yeah. And, and I, like, a huge thing for me, I guess, like, three years ago, no, four years ago, um, Little Embers, like, it used to have other musicians involved in it and it kind of fell apart um and I was at this point where I really thought that I was done you know I'm done playing in bands I'm done booking shows um I was really kind of I'd had enough you know um 
And uh, that's when I met Gus and he asked us to play a show at the LIC bar. And at this point, like I said, the band had, had kind of, we had a bass player, we had a drummer and some things happened that kind of just made the whole thing explode. And, uh, you know, but there was still Anthony and I, right. and Gus asked us to play a show at the LIC bar. I didn't know him at all. And, but you know, we're like, okay. And, uh, that just kind of turned everything around. Like what started there, like it just sort of rejuvenated my whole musical life. And we started to have a musical community here mm -hmm. in our own neighborhood, you know, in yes. Long Island City, Castoria, whatever. And that really changed everything. And now it's been a huge part of my life for the last three years. You know? So you're, you're at a point of decision-making of relative, not collapse, yeah, but Well, I hadn't even made my first record yet. Mm. And I had been writing songs since I was like, seriously, like 14 years old. Okay. So I had reached a point where I had like all these songs, like I had just, I haven't even made a record yet. Like maybe this is just not meant to be. And to some extent that's fairly unusual considering how easy it is to, to, to record something in I, your own room. For me it was, I think it was more like, you know, emotional and mental blocks getting my, in my way because the material was there, mm -hmm. but it was something else. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thanks to like that whole scene, I, we made our first record and, we had it crowdfunded by Rocket Hub, so like all the people that have been, you know, following us for a while got behind us, and and now we're gonna make our second record in May. We're gonna start tracking for that, and you know, and now it's just kind of like I can't ever see it not being a part of my life.
gone. We're getting, like I said, we're getting ready to make the second record mm-hmm. in May. And you've got a whole bunch of songs that you know are going to be on it? Yeah. Okay. And there are definitely things that I'll do differently, you know, or certain things that... One of my big regrets on this record is I feel like I feel like we I, I didn't take enough time tracking the vocals. Right. Like it was very rushed, and I'm not really unhappy. I'm just I know they could have been mm-hmm. at a different level. I know they could have just been a little, you know. So that will change this time. Like that's the most important thing, you know. And Anthony and I agree on that. Like that's got to be per- as close to perfect right. as possible, yeah. and then everything else kind of falls into place. And um, this record will probably be like you know we're looking to make it a little bit more open. Um, less, more like, less rock, you know, mm-hmm. and a little bit more like Americana, more country. Like, yeah. I want to bring in more of those vibes just right. because I really love that. Is it just you that writes the stuff or does Anthony write it with you? I write the songs. I mean, I, I, I write all the songs, but um, with the exception of Costa, which is on the record I'm going to give you a copy of, um, Anthony and I, we wrote that one together. But for the most part, I write the songs and I bring them to him and, and then we, we kind of uh, take it to the next level from there. But that's not to say like he writes a lot of like parts and, or sometimes he'll have an idea for an arrangement. So he's a huge part of what makes the overall sound of Little yeah. Embers, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, we don't really like sit down and write together. Okay. So tell me about Little Embers, where does that name come from? Where does that name come from? I mean, up until that point, I was playing under my own name, which was Teresa Hoffman. And now, you know, I was kind of heading more in a direction where we were, like, we were forming a band. And um, so I wanted a name for the band. For the band. And... Anthony and I, like, one day we just sat down and we were just brainstorming. We just had, like, you know, a legal pad out. We were just writing down names and all this stuff. And I don't even remember, I don't remember which one of us said Little Embers, but um, for some reason that's what stuck. And uh, it didn't take too long before, like, it just kind of became my identity as well, you know, where people call me Little Embers, or they call so, me Embers. So where, where does Little Embers come from? Is it just two words that It's just two words that we just liked the way yeah. they sounded together, yeah. you know, and I kind of liked, like, it kind of had this feeling to me of, uh, you know, like, it was, like I said, it was very difficult for me to get my record done, and I, for, I think there's many reasons for that, you know, but those, like, sparks and everything it was always there you know and eventually like it it came out we made a record and stuff but uh for me it's like little sparks of inspiration and things kind of you know yeah so that was the band's name that was the band's name and then it became your name it became my name and now i now i don't want to perform under anything else you know i just i don't have i just don't feel connected to to my to performing under my other name it just feels weird um I don't, you know, there's also the thing, like, I think it's been, it's been helpful to me. Like, it's, there's so many singer-songwriters in this city, you know, and it's just, it's overwhelming. So sometimes if you have a name that's, like, a little different, it helps you a little bit. People kind of, like, they catch on to a little bit faster, and people seem to like it, you know. They've, people have told me, like, that's a great name. Like, I mean, it it was a band, and then the first... Uh, the first band that we had, like, it didn't really work out, and then just the two of us were playing together, which I miss that. We're actually kind of going back to that for a little while now. We would just play just acoustic guitar, electric guitar, just the two of us, nothing else. So, um, you know, that really had its own thing that I liked. It really allows the songs to just kind of stand on their own, and you really get to hear the lyrics, and you really get to hear the the song, you know, um, and then as we started getting like bigger shows and you kind of have to put a band together because places want you, they want you playing with a drummer and a bass player and everything. And I like, I like it both ways. Like I like playing with a full band and, but it's also nice when we play as a duo. When you play as a duo, 
is it still very much Anthony on the lead and you on the acoustic doing chords and things? Yeah. Or do you it's take over? Do you do, ever do any more intricate stuff on the guitar? I don't, because okay. I just don't. Sadly, I don't have the, I don't have the ability to do it. Mm -hmm. um, is it something you'd like to do? I would actually, and uh, I'm supposed to start lessons with uh, Andy Stack. You probably know Andy mm -hmm. Stack. Um, I would like to take that to the next level but I don't even know what that is for me like I just kind of accepted the fact that like I'm never going to be a brilliant guitar player and that's okay with me I'm a songwriter like yeah. that's what I do yeah. and I don't like Anthony will lock himself in that room and practice you know I've never been that way you know I pick up the guitar when I want to say something right. and when I want to write you know yeah. which brings us to Queens of Queens mm -hmm. Because there's four of you. So tell me how you think about the way it was formed. Um, I mean, it was, it was really kind of uh, an idea that we had, which was more about helping each other um, expose our materials to a new audience. You know, so you play a show by yourself, you only have your following. If you come together with three other artists and you all play a show together then you have four followings instead of one and everybody gets to play for new people and that's kind of how from what i remember that's how it started mm -hmm. we started talking about it you know uh i don't think we ever thought like we would keep doing it you know i don't i don't know i mean we played living room show it went really well and um we were like oh we should do it again and you know now it's kind of like it's growing a little bit like you know, we're starting to play more on each other's songs. Yes, and it, it sounds like that's a, a, a good move, next step for you guys. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons also I, I want to improve my guitar playing. I'd like to be able to do more. Um, and also, I have another duo that I'm in called the Darling Clementines. Yes. You know, and I, I want to be able to do more playing in that. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but, you know, the desire is there, so. And that's a different kind of thing as well, isn't it? I've only ever seen you once, it was ages ago, but on your, on your Facebook things, you know, it's, it's the photographs stand out because they're all of this, they're a particular yeah. image that they're putting across of slight, slight, weird, slightly weird and a slightly old-fashioned Yeah, uh, it's, it is, it's definitely a little weird. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, we kind of call it like sassy honky-tonk. And this is a song called Boobs, uh, Darling Clementine's an original, and um, it's about a guy who sells ponchos. It's dedicated to Anthony Rizzo. And he, um... Until the day he dies. He gets, uh, sort of overwhelmed by boobs. Just so you have a little inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she came up to me with a tight V-neck tee And I tried to look away But man, she was stacked And with a rack like that All the blood rushed right up to my face And other places Now I'm no pervert I'm a gentleman, see this girl, she had got in me. So with the tip of my cap, I said, how do you do? She sighed and she said she was cool. Which she already knew. So I offered a poncho. As are you, my dear? You know, at first. 
wish I couldn't see clear Cause a nice set like yours tends to throw me What did you say? Half a both words and said nothing. I'm really sharp guy. Then she ran off with my poncho. My most rise one of all. Cause I'm a seller of ponchos. If you need one, just give me a call. All up in your face Learn from a dunce like you Keep your chin up, bro Let you let it get low How do I, here's the way to go Which by now you should know If you've been paying attention There's a quiz at the end It's a lot of fun, you know, because it allows me to write in a complete from a completely different place. Like, you know, it's stuff that I would never think of doing with Little Embers, you know. So, so who's the person you play, you sing with? Though? Danelle Verdugo is her name. Yeah, but um, Queens of Queens, I'm really excited about because it's first of all, it's really neat to be working with other women, you know. I don't know why, but like I think for men it's much easier. Like they always, from the time they're young, they get together, they put a band together, they're playing in the garage, and it seems like it's more rare that women do that. You know, I don't know what that's about, and so it's not it's not a competition. Yeah. You know, well, that's it's, one of the things that strikes me about Queens of Queens that you I've seen you as the Queens of Queens, but also backing each other up in other kind of gigs, and. The, the warmth between you and the, the, the feeling between you is, is very obvious that you like singing with each yeah. other and that adds a whole different feel to a performance. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean we're, we're all kind of friends too. You know, we do spend time together outside of, so we kind of like cultivate the relationships outside of the performances and the music as well. So there's, you know, there's, there are bonds developing there. It's definitely a really special thing to be a part of a musical community like that, you know, where you have people that are actually rooting for you and you're rooting for them and you're helping each other out and it's great. Like it's, it's been really wonderful and it's something that was a surprise to me at this point in my life.
that I would have three or four years later this whole group of musicians and people around you know yeah. it's it's yeah. nice yeah. so yeah let's get back to what you like to listen to now I'm a yeah. huge listen to Williams fan I got to meet her this year which was awesome um I love Dolly Parton I love Wilco Recently, I've been getting into the Fleet Foxes. Mm -hmm. I like their harmonies a lot. They're really cool. I still listen to like the stuff that I told you I got exposed to around the time I met Anthony. I still mm -hmm. listen to all the time. Like mm -hmm. I never get sick of the replacements. I never get sick of Paul Westerberg. So that's that chunky rock part of you. Yeah, world. that's that. You've also got this more mainstream, um, what, and it, what seems to me to be like this honest music. Does that mean anything to you? It's people playing real instruments with real harmonies. They've done a lot of work on putting a nice thing together that mm -hmm. doesn't depend on electronics. Yeah, I mean, I like, you know, I like more, like, organic stuff, mm -hmm. you know. I get into electronic music, like, that kind of... I really appreciate it, but it's not really what comes out of me, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Is there a question that you've never been asked that you would have always wanted to have been asked about yourself or your music or... Hmm. That's a really interesting question. <laughs> Maybe you just asked it. I don't know. <laughs> um, I've done interviews in the past and like I've had people like they just they don't ask about the songwriting at all, you know, or like and that's always strange to me because that that's like for me, that's the most essential ingredient, yeah. like nothing else, like without the song, without the creation of this song nothing else happens you know the records don't happen the band the shows whatever um you know so i've i've felt that in the past like with with previous interviews like you know afterwards like they didn't ask me like anything about how i write a song or how i go how i approach that or what that process is like for me and mm -hmm. i don't know maybe people just don't care yeah. <laughs> i don't know well, from what you said today it's, it is a real it's the core thing mm -hmm. i get a sense that you create the song and then you create the performance of it and you might create a recording of it and each of those levels after you've written the song has to do with the most as much justice to the song as it can do because yeah. it's your as your original creation 
Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Artist Portrait featuring Little Embers. Music on the show included the Witch Doctor song performed by the CRS players. Me Lost Me Cookie at the Disco featuring the Muppets. I'm Just a Kid, Don't Make Me Feel Like a Man by Hall and Oates. Julia Fordham singing As She Whispers from her album Swept. Angels Rock from Paul Westerberg. Anthony Rizzo's band Garden Variety singing Letter to the Editor. The Darlin Clementines singing The Boob Song. Little Ember's Beacon from their album Raise the Dead. Walt Whitman's poem I Hear America Singing performed by the university players. And Queens of Queens singing Little Ember's own song Raptured Heart in a live performance from LIC Bar. The next artist portrait will feature Shelley Bouchan. So this is Eric Hathaway signing off now for another edition of Sometime in Long Island City, which is a non-profit-making community venture.